Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Give us ears to hear your truth, and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw close to you. May we thirst for the water that your love brings us. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Am I going to allow God to put me into a situation where I'm uncomfortable? Am I going to allow God to put me into a situation that's totally unpleasant or totally unknown? Because we as people, we want to know now. Why now? We want to know why here? Why this? And most of all, we want to know why me? Rather than surrendering our lives wholly and completely into His hands. We all have trials in our lives, and we may ask, why this and why me? What if the trials in our lives are the work of the hands of God? In today's edition of The Open Word, Pastor David teaches us that we must rely on the goodness and greatness of the eternal plan of our Almighty God. We will be challenged to wholly and completely surrender our lives into the Lord's hands. In our study, we learn that we can't always be comfortable and obedient at the same time, but we can rely on our Almighty God. Now here's Pastor David with today's message entitled, It Came to Pass. If we were told, okay, say if our dick, I mean, our president said that uh, we all had to go back to the home of our uh, ancestry, how difficult that would be, as many as that would impact and affect. Can you imagine the effect and the impact that that was then on that day? How difficult that had to be. The difficulty of traveling and the number of people even then, though not as many people left home, at least to that extreme distances that many of us have had to leave, but yet they had to go back home. Personally, we moved so much with our children when they were young, they have no idea where home is. <laughs> but for Joseph and Mary, they did know. They had a similar heritage, and they went back to Bethlehem because they were of the house and the lineage of David. So Joseph and Mary had to leave Nazareth and head for Bethlehem. As he says in verse 4, Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. From Nazareth to Bethlehem, as the bird flies, it's only 69 miles, okay? About from here to Tucson or so. But the problem is, is they didn't go that way because of the Samaritans, because of the mountain ranges, because of other aspects in the travel. 
Because the Jews would never purposefully go through Samaria, they actually had to take a little bit longer journey, and they had to cross to the east and go to the east side of the Jordan River, then travel down parallel with the Jordan River in what's now known as the country of Jordan. And then once they got down to about the area of Jericho or so, they could cross back over and go on up into the area of Jerusalem, then back down into the area of Bethlehem. Makes the journey well over 80 miles. A journey that should have taken about four days, undoubtedly probably took because of the way that they had to go, could have easily taken five or six days. Because of Mary's condition, it could have actually taken a little bit longer. Don't be confused. I don't believe that they went only by themselves. There were many people traveling during that time because of the census. I believe that they probably traveled in a caravan of people for safety as well as just for the for the fellowship of other people. But I wonder in Mary's condition how long she could have traveled keeping up with that caravan. By the way, we don't know that Mary used a donkey. That's not in your Bible. That's in the, uh, you know, the uh, Sunday school stories. She could have ridden on a cart, as far as that's concerned. But they made that journey. They made it all the way there. And then in verse 6, it tells us, so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. She brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloth, laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. I'm not going to get into all of these things. We speak about this quite a bit, about the chaos and the crowds that were there in Bethlehem during that time. I want the point of the message this morning to be very much right in line with what our brother Dixon shared with us this morning. Already in the past, we've spoken about chaos and things that were going on in their lives. But this morning, I want you to understand that they were fulfilling God's plan in their life, and this plan was not a comfortable plan for them. It was not a plan that Joseph would have chosen, either uh, for Mary being pregnant before they were married, or for her during this last month of her pregnancy to be traveling such a long distance. God invaded their life with his plan. When we look at this, why in the world would that have had to take place? Why would, would Caesar Augustus make that declaration that caused them to move? Beloved, I submit to you this morning that it wasn't Caesar Augustus' fault that they went down to Bethlehem. It was God's plan. And God's plan used a godless, pagan dictator in control over his empire to move this couple from Nazareth down to Bethlehem in order that the fulfillment of prophecy might be done. Because in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, it speaks of Bethlehem. Out of Bethlehem will come forth this ruler of Israel. Let me ask you real quick this morning. Do you think it would have been Joseph's plan at that point in time to say, hey, let's move down to Bethlehem? No, I believe in all practicality that Joseph and Mary had set up home there in Nazareth. They were ready to have that baby there amongst family, amongst friends, in the comfort of a home that they already had. They would not have moved on their own. Oh, but what if, what if the Lord spoke to Joseph in a dream? Well, I wonder if he, like you and I, let's just make it really practical for us. God spoke to us in a dream to tell us to do something absolutely ludicrous to our own understanding. What would we do? We'd go seek godly counsel. I, I don't know what to do, John. My wife is nine months pregnant, ready to have this baby. But I, I think the Lord is telling me we need to move like right now. 
down to Bethlehem. Well, because John is a logical guy, he loves the Lord, he seeks the Lord too. Well, no, that doesn't make sense. Wait till the baby's born, then you could move down to Bethlehem. See, it made no logical sense to man to do this at that time. That's why God had to use a Caesar Augustus to move them out of their comfort zone in order that prophecy would be fulfilled, in order that the plan and the purposes of God would be fulfilled. Couldn't have God used an angel? Couldn't he have brought Gabriel back down again? Maybe. But even at that, I wonder, would Joseph been willing to even be that obedient at that point in time? Again, getting as real as I can with you this morning. When God speaks into our lives, whether it be through dreams or vision, or just the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And suddenly, whatever he's calling for us to do would rock our world completely. How willing are we to do that? Let me pray about this. Let me take 30 days of prayer and seeking the Lord and counsel. No, I need you to go right now. I need you to lay it all down right now. I need you to put everything at risk for me. And that's why God, I believe, used Caesar Augustus to make that decree that says, no, you need to go now. You need to move now. What about the timing? Could it have been earlier? Couldn't it have been five uh, or four or five months earlier? Couldn't that census have taken place then? Why did Caesar's decree have to come so late in her pregnancy? If Joseph had gone earlier, done the registration, he would have gone back home to be there. That decree came at just the right time. Whose right time? Joseph and Mary's right time? No. But in God's right time. And beloved, there are times that God works within our lives that's not of our timing. It's not of our plan. It's not of our comfort. But it's at those times that we just simply need to once again surrender to the reality that God is in control of all of his creation. He's in control of my life. And rather this event, this catastrophe, this trauma, is is, is whatever the reason for it. Lord, I just surrender my life into your absolute care. That's the only thing that I can do because I can't change this on my own. And beloved, there's some things in your life you ought not change. You ought to ride it through and allow the Lord to work and move in your lives. All of these things come down to our own understanding, trying to figure out, am I going to allow God to put me into a situation where I'm uncomfortable? Am I going to allow God to put me into a situation that's totally unpleasant or totally unknown? Because we as people, we want to know now. Why now? We want to know why here why this? And most of all, we want to know why me? Rather than surrendering our lives wholly and completely into his hand. We want to understand because we feel that if we understand better, that perhaps our flesh would be a little bit more comfortable. But beloved, the problem is this, and I want you to catch this. We cannot always be comfortable and obedient at the same time. You cannot always be comfortable and obedient at the same time. There's a little phrase at the beginning of this passage, and it came to pass, and it came to pass. It's an interesting phrase. It's used all throughout the New Testament. 
but the Greek word for it is genome, genome. And it comes with that meaning of cause to be. It's where we get our word for generate. Do you need power? Then we're going to generate some power. You need income? We'll generate some income. It has that kind of an idea and thought behind it. And I see in that very phrase the very handiwork of God. God caused to be an official decree from Caesar at just the right time for just the right purpose to guarantee that that baby would be born in Bethlehem. I feel that too many times we read phrases like that in the Word of God and we just kind of translate, well, it just happened. It just so happened that during that time, rather than looking deeper and seeing, and this is the hand of God moving in a situation that moved individuals or families for his purposes and for his plans. And the events in our lives, they may not be pleasant, they may not be of our own choosing, but as our lives are fully surrendered into God's care and the direction, then we can trust that, that though he may not be safe, he is good. That's why you and I as believers can stand so firm on that passage that Paul gives us in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. For all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purposes. You understand not all things are good. Financial collapse is not good. Uh, health reports that say, man, there's a great disease there, that's not good. But even in the midst of those, when you and I as a believer surrender our lives wholly and completely to the almighty supremacy of a sovereign God, that even in the midst of those things, you know what? God's gonna work for his glory in the midst of this. And another thought here too, and it came to pass. You might be in a situation right now. Something is very uncomfortable, something that's disturbing your whole lifestyle, your, your whole inner being. You may be going through it right now, but I want to help you to understand what is coming to pass in your life right now is not eternity, okay? It may feel like it's eternity right now, but it's not eternity. It's a moment, it's a place in time. There's a greater glory and a greater joy that awaits us. That same passage where Paul tells us that all things work together for good, just above that, up in verse 18 of Romans chapter 8, Paul writes these words. He says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which will be revealed to us. Some of you guys are going through horrendous stuff and have over the last couple of years. Some of you don't know it, but this week you're going to hit a wall. I don't know that. That's not a word of prophecy. That's just a word of reality, okay? I want your eyes to be focused on the sovereignty of God and the supremacy of his power and his authority over all of his creation. Oswald Chambers finishes that devotion with these words. He says, if you abandon everything to Jesus and come when he says come, then he will continue to say come through you. And I look at that in two ways. He's going to continue to use me. He's going to continue to glorify himself in me. But he's also going to glorify himself through me in the lives of others. So as I surrender my life wholly and completely to him, then I become a vessel of his using. But beloved, if we say, no, I, I can't right now, 
And even as Jesus says, you know, I've got to go bury my father. I've got to go check on this land. He says, hey, you know what? If you're not willing to do it now, you're not worthy to follow me. That's the call of Christianity if you haven't guessed it yet. The call of Christianity is death to self, life to Christ. That I truly die daily in order that he might reign and rule and live through me. That means that I live a life that is surrendered to his will, not my own comfort, not my own good pleasure. That's the reality of what Christianity is. And if you've lived and if you've believed anything different, beloved, you've believed and you've been living a lie. We need to wholly and completely surrender truly release our whole life into his care and follow him with a whole heart regardless of the direction and, yes, regardless of the consequences of that. A fellow by the name of Horatio Spafford. You may not know his name. He lived in the late 1800s. He and his wife had gone through all kinds of trauma. Their only son died through the uh, scarlet fever. He had financial collapse because of the Chicago fire. He was a landowner and building owner. All kinds of things were going on. He, they had planned to have a family getaway, vacation, he and his wife and their other children. So they were getting ready to go on over to Europe, but he was held back because of some zoning issues as they were rebuilding Chicago. So he sent his wife and his children on ahead. He was going to join them in the following week is during their ocean voyage from the United States over to Europe that their ship struck another ship and countless people perished on that. His wife telegrammed Horatio these words, saved alone. His three daughters perished in that shipwreck. Horatio Spafford knew the Lord. He loved the Lord. He served the Lord. And yet, all of these things happening in his life, his son uh, dying, his only son, uh, uh, financial collapse because of something that absolutely had nothing to do with anything that he had ever done. And now his three daughters. As he traveled by ship to join his wife in Europe, as he passed over the area where he knew where the wreck had taken place, he was the one who wrote these words that are very familiar to most of you. When peace like a river attendeth my way, or when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. My sin, oh the bliss of that glorious thought. My sin, not in part but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. I know we're running late. Let me give you these other verses. For me, be it Christ, be it Christ, hence to live. If Jordan above me shall roll, no pang shall be mine, for in death as in life, thou wilt whisper thy peace to my soul. But Lord, tis for thee, for thy coming we wait. 
the sky, not the grave, is our goal. O trump of the angel, O voice of the Lord, blessed hope, blessed rest of my soul. And Lord, haste the day when my faith shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. Are you there this morning? Are you there at that point of understanding and commitment and knowledge and relationship to Christ? That regardless of your estate, it's well with your soul. You may be close this morning to making that kind of a commitment. Maybe you're here and you don't know Christ yet. You've not committed your heart and life to Christ. Or maybe even you as a believer, you're not fully committed. You've not fully turned your life wholly and completely to him. And you still have that nagging question in your life. Is he, is he quite safe? Because I'd feel rather nervous about surrendering to that kind of a savior. But who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he is good. Father, your word speaks to us of the greatness of your majesty, your might, and your glory. The reality of your plan and purpose that you're working throughout all of your creation. And Lord, you allow us to be partakers of that glory. You allow us to taste the reality of that glory. And yet, Father, we know that in this world, we're going to have many tribulations. But Father, we are blessed that Christ was also under trial. But Lord, he conquered the earth. He conquered sin. He conquered death. And he bore that death on our account in order that we who are lost in our trespasses and sin by faith might cry out to him, Father, I pray for any that might be here this morning. This isn't a pleasant invitation. This is a reality of invitation. That only you can maintain a heart and a soul, not only through the trials of this present life, but through all of eternity. And I pray for any here this morning that don't know Christ that this morning here in this place, that they would cry out for salvation, for forgiveness of sin, for a cleansing of their lives, and a complete surrender of their lives into your care. And I pray this morning for believers that we might all get to that place and continually walk in that place of absolute surrender, that we might be able to see your glory in the midst of our trials, that we might be able to see your victory in the midst of our temptations and our struggles, that we might be able to see the majesty and the might of who you are, even in the limitations of our own flesh. Father, may you be glorified. May Jesus be exalted in our life. May the grace and the mercy of Almighty God, the fullness of his Holy Spirit, equip and empower, and strengthen and encourage you by his might and by his presence. May he gift you with every good and wonderful gift for the work and the service of his kingdom, for his glory, that our lives might shine and present the very presence 
and the aroma of Christ to a lost and dying world. In Jesus' name, God bless you guys. Learning more about Jesus is the single most important thing we can do as Christians. As we carefully consider how Jesus lived, we see beautiful examples that can apply to our lives. Though the entire Bible is rich with symbols and images that point to Jesus, the Gospels are grand central station for who Jesus is. Join us each day as Pastor David teaches through the Gospel of Luke. You can get a free copy of today's teaching at our website. Simply log on to theopenword.com. That's theopenword.com. Although the open word is a huge blessing, we pray that it's not your only source for the teaching of the word of God. It's our hope that you're attending a church that teaches God's word from beginning to end. Here's Tracy with more information about our service times here at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. Maybe you're listening right now in Casa Grande and you don't have a home church. We want to take this time to invite you to join us for worship. We meet Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. at 6.30 p.m. every Wednesday and Saturday. For more information, call us at 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Or log on to theopenword.com and follow the link to the church website. Thanks, Tracy. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Please join us next time for the next edition of The Open Word.